It's the time of year when we're all thinking about goals and priorities. Now is the time to plan your next trip. Whatever kind of travel fills you up, whether it's lounging on the beach, connecting with family and friends, or going on a foreign adventure, Expedia has the tools you need to plan a great trip. Download the Expedia app or visit Expedia.com to start planning. You do need to be a OneKey member to use price tracking. Signing up is easy and free. Expedia, made to travel. Hey, Fidelity. How can I remember to invest every month? With the Fidelity app, you can choose a schedule and set up recurring investments in stocks and ETFs. Oh, that sounds easier than I thought. You got this. Yeah, I do. Now, where did I put my keys? You will find them where you left them. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE SIPC. I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. Hello, everyone. Earlier this week, we lost another legend, author Toni Morrison. She passed away at 88 years old. She was the first African-American woman to win the Nobel Prize for Literature. She influenced countless writers and readers around the world. She was a master of words and had a profound impact on me. I was proud to choose four of her novels for my book club and interviewed her on The Oprah Show many times. We have an encore presentation of our interview about her very first book, The Bluest Eye. It was after this show that I heard from women around the world who told me how colorism, just like that depicted in The Bluest Eye, impacted them, people of color in many different cultures. It was during this show when Tony gave one of the greatest lessons that I've loved to share. She talked about children and how what children are really looking for is do your eyes light up? Does your face light up when they enter the room? It's really that simple and the ultimate way to validate them as human beings. I carry that lesson inside my spirit along with Tony's remarkable, gorgeous, epic works. Here's a look back at my interview with Toni Morrison and The Bluest Eye. The world will miss her, I will miss her, but thankfully, we are left with her words. What you're gonna hear is both powerful and wonderful. An unforgettable book. Each night, without fail, she prayed for blue eyes. An unforgettable show. I remember spending months pressing on my skin, just hoping that it would turn white. An unforgettable author. Piccola wants blue eyes because in her world, they represent beauty. And unforgettable insights. When a kid walks in the room, does your face light up? Let your face speak what's in your heart. Our most profound book club show ever. Next. Well, I 
love all the books we've done in the book club. Obviously, I have to read them and then choose them. Some people love a lot of them. Some people don't. But The Bluest Eye, uh, this month's election, is so special to me. It is one of my all-time favorites, and I'll tell you why. At the heart of The Bluest Eye is 12-year-old Pecola Breedlove, who thought that she was so ugly nobody would possibly love her. And regardless of what color you are, there are a lot of women who have defined themselves by what other people think of them. Over the course of the last month, we've been flooded with letters and emails from all races and cultures, sometimes over 200 responses a day, all because of this one little girl. I'm so, so pleased that all of you, all races and cultures related to her. This one little girl who was dismissed as unlovable has touched your hearts and mine. So for me, the beauty of this book is that Pecola, Pecola and all the Pecolas of the world have finally gotten our day. The message in the bluest eye is so universal that I really believe we all could learn from it, and no matter where you live or who you are. We're gonna begin now with an explanation of one of my favorite books of all time, The Bluest Eye, from the author herself. Listen as Toni Morrison tells how even the youngest and most innocent could grow up and learn to hate who she is. Here is the house. It is green and white. It has a red door. It is very pretty. Here's the family. They are very happy. See Jane? See Jane. She has a red dress. She, she has a red play. dress. She wants Who to play. play with Jane? Who will play with Jane? See the dog. Bow wow Bow goes the dog. the dog. Play, play Jane, Jane play. play. The primary book, the first reader in the first grade, was an example of the devastation that comes when everybody is judged by one story where you have the family, classic mother, father, dog, child, that impossible ideal for everyone as a measure against this particular family uh, that is at the center of the book. Piccola wants blue eyes because in her world, they're superior. They represent beauty. It wouldn't make any difference if she were the most beautiful child around. Her skin is black. No one's going to look at her. It was important for me to say at that time, when I was writing this book in 1965, through to the end of 1969, that racism, uh, that kind of abuse on children hurts deeply. And it is devastating. If you're going to enslave people, you have to be persuaded yourself that they are inferior. And you have to attack the things that they have that they might take some pleasure in. One is their language. Tell them they can't speak. Listen, Mammy, there ain't no way to wash clothes. What you all need is rhythm. What, 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 what do you all mean, rhythm? And the other is their history. And one is the way they look, cartoonizing people in images. Take that, I'll bust your head. Eventually, it's so consistent, so persistent, you begin to feel inferior, lesser, uh, less powerful, less attractive, less everything. Uh, because it's very little around you that supports it. You cannot drink from those fountains. You cannot 
sit in this part of the restaurant or even enter, etc. Everything reinforces it. And it's difficult for parents of uh, black children to try to tell them they're wrong and you're right. So eventually, the self-contempt becomes a part of your makeup, part of who you are. And that has happened with many groups and certainly with African Americans as well. And the bluest eye, I wanted to show the real devastation of this concept of self-image. Thousands of you wrote in about how the bluest eye affected you. Many letters were from women who wrote in graphic detail about how they hated who they were, all because of the way they looked. Here are some of the things you've said, along with more thoughts on beauty from Toni Morrison. Each night, without fail, she prayed for blue eyes. Fervently for a year, she had prayed. Although somewhat discouraged, she was not without hope. To have I wore colored contact lenses to make my eyes lighter. A little boy told me that I was dirty, and that's why I was black. You know how terrible it was for us? And how much damage we did to one another by believing this? I remember spending months in the bathroom, washing my hands and pressing on my skin, just hoping that it would turn white. I used to walk with my head down because I just never thought I was good enough. I was astonished by who the readers of this book were. White women and white girls, as well as minority girls, Asians, um, Latinas, African-American girls, certainly. I understand that feeling of wanting to look different so that people would like you, so that you would be beautiful. I was this scrawny, pale, you know, little runt with jack-o'-lantern teeth and kind of fuzzy, long hair. You remember when women used to have hips? That's altered completely, so, you know, it's a 12-year-old boy with a chest. Bacola's blue eyes are equivalent to my hips, that I always thought were way, way too big. The hunger for blondness is still, um, Profound. The perfect family always seemed to have girls that looked like the girls from the Brady Bunch. I was thinking about getting these blue eyes to match my whole new look. Well, I finished that book and I said, nope, Diane, you can't do that. When we played make-believe, one of the things we did was put our blue cardigans around our foreheads so we could have long, flowing hair and be beautiful ladies. What they find is um, not comfort, but um, authenticity. Somebody knows what it was like. Thank God, and I'm not the only one. That's what they find. At age 14, I remember wanting to commit suicide. That's something I do remember because of the way I look. Yes, it did hurt. And yes, I got over I try not to ask this a lot, but if you could just put aside the bills or tonight to dinner for the next 20 minutes or so, what you're going to hear is both powerful and wonderful, especially if you are a mother of any kind of child. Thousands of you who wrote and emailed us, thank you so much. Your comments helped to shape our show today, even those that didn't get on, even if you weren't chosen for the discussion. Before we begin, though, meet the four women who sat down with us. Stephanie is a 34-year-old lawyer in Beaumont, Texas. 
Diana is a guidance counselor who grew up in Lorraine, Ohio, the setting of the bluest eye, and also Toni Morrison's hometown. Ruth is a mother of eight children, including three African-American girls that she adopted. And Julie is a single woman who works for a hotel chain in San Francisco. And as you'll see for yourself, our book conversations are never about just the book. Uh, that's what a good book does, is open doors to other areas. And nobody opens more doors than Ms. Toni Morrison. So put down whatever you're doing and listen. You need to listen to this because this has some of the most important insights I've heard about raising children. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I have this to say about the bluest eye. I remember when I announced it on the show, I was saying, if you don't appreciate, love this book, then I'm really, I have nothing to say to you. And I just, <laughs> and I really do mean that. But I have to say, I was in an in a, in a airport not too long ago, and I saw an entire row of um, bluest eyes, like in, in, like in a major airport. <laughs> and I'm telling you, my eyes started to water because I thought, Picola has her day. Mm. How do you feel about, I mean, I know this is the first, does it feel like your baby has finally come into me? I'm surprised how deeply emotional I am about, about this book and the characters. On the one hand, I still feel totally entangled mm -hmm. emotionally, uh, very vulnerable to them, to the characters in the book. And I, that's not good for a writer. Don't go anywhere. More to come after this short break. No two travelers are exactly alike, and that means no two trips should be either. Texas' vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities allow for an infinite number of different travel experiences. Are you a beach person? Well, you'll be having fun under the sun with Texas' 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies can't get enough of Texas' world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interests. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. Did you know that it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, like Cardon, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Meave. Plus, you can help to support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in-store to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander owned brands at Macy's.com or in store. As we just saw that piece where you're talking about, you know, why you wrote the book and we see all the images and the cartoons. I mean, the first time I saw that piece, you know, watching from my dressing room, I was very emotional about it and asking myself, is it, you know, some residue pain that I have or is it for all those girls, for the, the girl feeling. I once was, for all those girls? I think so, because I had the same feeling. I thought, why is this cutting so deeply now? I wrote the book, I lived the life, I did this. Why is it hurt? And I realized, as my eyes were filling up, whatever I was feeling, it was also for those girls. What started you to write it? I began to write this story, ostensibly about an incident that took place when I was 
maybe 11 or 12 years old, mm. about this girl who said she wanted blue eyes. Mm. In your class? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, all I remembered about the moment was looking at her suddenly and seeing how extraordinarily beautiful she was. Mm. But when I looked at her and imagined her with blue eyes, mm. suddenly the way she looked made me gasp. It was like a mutilation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The fact mm -hmm. that she really wanted to look like a freak, mm -hmm. which is what blue eyes would have made her look like. Mm -hmm. You know, the damage was already done Correct. for some of us. Correct. So I thought, nobody's going to remember how it really was. Nobody's... And also, there was no book about it. Mm -hmm. Nobody had... Right. No. Talked about it, touched it, I went thought, there. Yes, mm -hmm. yeah. nobody went no, there. nobody went there. And I've been told a number of times in public venues early on, I don't hear this anymore, you know, I really liked the book, but um, I was really angry with you for writing it and putting it, sort of putting our business in the street. Mm -hmm. The business of intra-racism. The business of self-hatred and self-loathing. Mm -hmm. Skin that, color fights and skin, skin color fights that we have with right. it. That a lot of people who are watching us right now in a lot of states don't even know exist because we all are just still black folks to mm -hmm. them. And they don't know. Like, you all are fighting still amongst yourselves based upon <laughs> grades of color. Mm -hmm. Right. Great the colors. Versus uh -huh. the other. And then the paper bags and... Mm, yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> paperback test. That's right. Yeah. You no, you mentioned go to that in your letter. Schools. I think. You yeah, she did. I didn't. I don't know. I didn't know about that. No, There's a paperback test. Not now. Not anymore. Yeah. But, you know, in in the '40s and the '30s, in black nightclubs in Louisiana. I never heard of that. If there was a black-owned nightclub, and they wanted to keep the club, you know, above a certain hue, mm. so they would hold a paper bag up to whoever was entrance coming into in. the club, mm -hmm. and if you were Darker the than the paper, paper bag. bag or lighter you, you got in. If you were really? darker, you mm -hmm. wouldn't. That was true. Yeah, that was a long time ago, but it, it, it seeps into the psyche. Oh, sure. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, I get well, that. I think what I found, too, was there were a lot of things. One thing was I do. one of my daughters uh, moved in with us when she was older and came with this message because she's dark-complected that she's ugly. Uh -huh. And to, to try to tell her how beautiful she and is, of course. Right. But I mean the direct message. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, it's there. And that is hard because... Mm -hmm. I don't know what to, you know. Tony says a beautiful thing about the messages that we get about who we are when a child first walks in the room. Can you talk about that? I said it's interesting to see when a kid walks in the room, your child or anybody else's child, do you, does your face light up? Mm. Or, and that's what they're looking for. When my children used to walk in the room when they were little, I looked at them to see if they had buckled mm. their trousers, or if mm -hmm. their hair was combed, or if their <laughs> socks were up. And so you think your affection and your deep love is on display because mm -hmm. you're caring for them. It's not. When they see you, they see the critical face. Mm -hmm. What's wrong now? Mm -hmm. But then if you let your, as I tried from then on, to let your face speak what's in your heart, mm -hmm. 
because when they walked in the room, I was glad to see them. Mm -hmm. It's just as small as that, you see. That is what I think is so profound, because that is how you learn That's what right. your value is. That's right. Not by what the person is saying to you, but what you feel. Yeah. When I was growing up, my grandmother, um, because she had to work for um, a white family in, um, in Mississippi, and there's a photograph that I still have on my desk, the only photograph I have of my grandmother is with her holding this white child. And when she would come home, you know, and whip me, chastise me, talk to me, you know, in, in not the most loving term, but every time she would ever talk about those white children. It was pleasure. It was, she was Pauline. Mm -hmm. There would be mm -hmm. this, mm -hmm. this, this sort of glow inside her about these white children. Mm -hmm. And that was when I, when I read what you'd said, I thought, that's the message, that's when I first got it, right. that you, you are it. better if you are white. That's you right. can be loved more if you're mm -hmm. white. If I were only white, mm -hmm. she would love me more. I, I read the book again last night, and when I got to the part where the berry pie falls, yeah. mm -hmm. and and here her, her own child is burned, mm -hmm. and she goes, well, honey. And she slaps her child down on the yeah, ground. Picks and picks her up and then slaps yes, her again. Yes. And it was just like, you and know, her leg curls underneath. Yes. Oh. And then we're, we're concerned about <laughs> berry juice on a dress. Mm -hmm. It's like, get a grip here. Mm -hmm. uh, this is your child. No, is your it's a, you messed up my white folks' kitchen. Mm -hmm. You yes. messed, messed up my, my pie. Girl. Girl. You you messed up my pie. But you didn't feel that was an exaggeration, did you? No. No. I mean, it's, it's no, all theatrical and dramatic, but we've anger. seen that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Different times, seen different it times, and felt it. Yeah. Seen it and felt it. I have even felt it. How are you affected by the book, Diane? I think it opened my eyes. Um, I, I cannot experience what you all have experienced, even though little bits I have. I can remember being selected to be an angel in the church pageant and being told that I don't think you should be an angel because you have dark eyes and dark hair, mm. and you do know angels are blue-eyed and blonde. Oh, my goodness. See? No, there is this mm -hmm. uh, hierarchy of um, race, Mm -hmm. And at the top, uh, it's sort of a Christian figure, you know, sort of long hair, mm -hmm. blue eyes, blonde. And then everything else is down below until you get to animals. So the farther away you are from that, the less value you have. Mm -hmm. That's right. Thus you have that, what we were talking about earlier, the paperback test, mm -hmm. the Creole lines mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. distinction mm -hmm. in color. That uh, we that took are, upon ourselves. We, yeah, yeah, we took it. The ugliness. Mm -hmm. That's they right. Cultivated they cultivated it. it. They cultivated yeah. it. Mm -hmm. it's well, yeah, that chapter when you talk about the breed loves and their ugliness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was oh. amazing. Oh, well, every sentence is. Mm -hmm. You know, I read yes. Toni Morrison a lot. <laughs> Everybody knows I love t Tony's writing, but I read it to open myself up, and there's not a time when I have come to your words when I have not been enhanced by the language. Mm -hmm. I mean, we were talking about, you're truly gifted. Mm -hmm. do, do you yeah, not I'm think gifted. so? Mm -hmm. Yes, I do. I think that you are. <laughs> no, I think Okay, okay, because yeah. you, okay, so <laughs> really be surprised if you say, oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Anybody it just happened. I was yeah. just walking. No, no. I think you, that you are truly gifted. Mm -hmm. And I work hard. And she works hard at it. I love that. Um, I think that, you know, we do lots of shows on child raising and how to handle your children. I, that's one of the most profound things I've ever heard. For all you moms who are worrying about dirty ears or is your hair combed, the most important thing is, which we all felt when we heard her say it, is do your eyes light up when your child walks into the room? Wasn't that big? That's profound. 
we're talking about The Bluest Eye by Toni Morrison. I, I, I really do think it's a national treasure. Everybody should read it. Don't you think? The world would be different. The world would be different. We always come away from a conversation with Tony feeling a little smarter and more enlightened than we did before we sat down. I think you will, too. In this next uh, part, we talk about the secret that many incest survivors keep inside. Uh, here now is part two of our discussion with Tony Morrison. Now, the other thing that's interesting to me in this discussion, we were talking about the kinds of people who read this book, a lot of white women write to me about the bluest eye because of the incest. A lot of young white uh, females who are interested in the book because of that, mm. not the no. other level of well, things. Well, let's because go. It's kept. You know what? Why does this kept? Kept? Uh -huh. Uh -huh. What's so interesting to me, and I think it might have been the first time I read the bluest eye, I don't know, that I made the connection, having been an, a victim of um, uh, sexual abuse as a child, that I understood the complicity and vulnerability of the daughter of the of the, of the daughter yes. the second time, because when many times people say to you, I've said this before. I know you say people don't talk about it. I say, oh, she must have missed that show. But uh, <laughs> I've talked about it. This is what is so difficult. This is what this is the confusion and horror mm -hmm. of it, mm -hmm. is because if you are a child as I was, where you don't feel loved, and never felt any love. And when it happens to you, as I say to my friends with daughters and, and, and young sons, don't think it's going to be the horrible rape falling unconscious mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. you see mm -hmm. with Charlie and Bacola mm -hmm. the first time. A lot of times it's so subtle. Mm -hmm. For me, it started with a 19-year-old cousin playing footsies, mm -hmm. you know? And so you're thinking, he likes he me. He likes you. He mm -hmm. likes me. He likes me. For me, it's not. And then me following my uncles around every mm -hmm. time they came to visit me. Mm -hmm. He likes me. Mm -hmm. He likes mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. what, and you want that. And you want oh. that. Mm -hmm. That does not mean you are asking to be raped. No. But you want you want the closeness. Just as Pecola did, felt at least I was at touched. At least he was mm -hmm. touching her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Out of something other that than... That is what is never spoken about. That's right. right. That's, That's right. what this girl told me. She said, I was my daddy's girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And I said, you mean you loved him? She said, of course. She said, it wouldn't be as horrible as it is if it was only hate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was just me hating him for mm -hmm. what he did to me. Mm -hmm. That's hard, but it's simple. Mm -hmm. It's the other part. The fact that you... Mm -hmm. Was that young? I mean, hers was infant. Right. I mean, it wasn't even, mm -hmm. I don't think she was walking. Mm. You know, it was oh. a calculated right. horror story. But at any rate, it's, it's more complicated, as you say, than just somebody abused somebody you. Somebody abused mm -hmm. you, boom, get over it, yeah. or mm -hmm. not. It's yes. much more and complicated. And that is why so that. many women carry the, um, the guilt of it and the shame of it, because they, what did I have mm -hmm. to do with it? Mm -hmm. Because sex felt good mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. it felt good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think Absolutely. that's the challenge, too, for people who are foster parents or adoptive parents is, you know, helping a child recover mm -hmm. and make mm -hmm. sense of their life. Even and be, if this has this happened, has happened to, them. to them at the hands of a family member. Mm -hmm. And to be able, over a period of time, to heal and make sense and not feel guilty, not feel mm -hmm. ashamed, mm -hmm. not to feel worthless. God. And that's a very, very hard thing. And, and it made it very difficult. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank. Some things should be boring, like banking. Boring is safe and reliable. You don't want your bank to be entertaining. Entertaining is for podcasts with inspiring celebrity guests, not banks. 
PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is the service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Inc. PNC Bank, National Association, member FDIC. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. Let's talk about Maureen Peel. I think the best way to talk about her is for you to read your description of her from the book. Ah, this, this uh, disruptor of seasons was a new girl in school named Maureen Peel, a high yellow dream child with long brown hair braided into two lynch ropes that hung down her back, fluffy sweaters the color of lemon drops tucked into skirts with pleats so orderly they astounded us. Brightly colored knee socks with white borders, a brown velvet coat trimmed in white rabbit fur and a matching muff. <laughs> there was a hint of spring in her slow green eyes, something summery in her complexion, and a rich autumn ripeness in her walk. She enchanted the entire school. Mm. I guess she did. <laughs> That's really... Hearing you read it, I forgot about the brown velvet, velvet. coat. Yeah. And the rabbit. No, oh, and the sweater the color of lemon drops. Right. Oh, yeah. How could you? Not slapper. Not slapper. <laughs> Or not want to, and have all the t and you know the teachers loved her. Oh, they love her. Oh, I sang absolutely. in an all-black choir as a child, and there was one girl who was very fair-skinned. She had beautiful brown, straight hair, but she was black. But she had green eyes, oh, and really, it sounds was, like Maureen. It, it was. It was <laughs> Maureen. Everyone was so nice to her. She couldn't sing. She didn't have anything really, you know, but. She was so beautiful, and we all just kind of looked at her, and our mouths would water because, I mean, you, you could just comb her hair, you know, and with my mother, was like, you had to pull and tug, and you're crying, and then the hairdresser is, is you have your to write a so book about nappy. Maureen Peel, you know, but, from her point Maureen, of view, don't you know, think? but I love this line, I love this line where, where uh, the girls say, and all the time, this is after Maureen Peel has said, you're ugly, you're ugly, oh, I'm pretty, yeah, you not, cute. and I'm cute, <laughs> and all the time we knew that Maureen Peel was not the enemy and not worthy of such intense hatred right. the thing to fear was a thing that made her beautiful right. and not us yes. and not us I'm why sacred. would the white children also respond to her that oh. way 
The white children loved her because she was closer in looks to them. Right. She had lovely, long, straight hair, you know, curly. Mm -hmm. She was a high yellow dream child, so she was a version of them, a little exotic perhaps, mm -hmm. a little tan, mm -hmm. but she was like them. As a white person mm -hmm. come, growing up, mm -hmm. were you aware of this? Was this no. as quiet as it, it you were no, not? No, not This at is all. as quiet as it's kept. Absolutely. You were not aware not in the least. In that fact, there, was, there were gradations the, for the us. The, it was, it was eye-opening for, mm -hmm. for a white person to understand, um, and, I, and I think this is what I meant by an epiphany of, of understanding of the race. It's the secret, but it's the secret I need to know. It's mm -hmm. the hierarchy that Toni Morrison mm -hmm. was talking mm -hmm. about, that she talks about in mm -hmm. her class. The closer mm -hmm. you are to white, mm -hmm. the better you mm -hmm. are. Mm -hmm. And that is what has been adopted mm -hmm. in, in the race. Well, I feel that for, for my own personal situation, I mean, I, didn't, I couldn't pass for white. I was educated in white schools, and when I went among my contemporaries in, in the black side of town, <laughs> I was almost treated like a Maureen Peel because right. I was like, listen to the way mm -hmm. she talks. Right. Look at the that she girl. plays yes. the piano right. and she plays oh, yeah. the cello. Oh, yeah. Who does she think she right. is? And the thing is, is you wanted to love the Maureen Peel because they're not the enemy. No, they're really not. They, you know, it's, it's the, the thing the that, made her that makes them it's beautiful. Don't you say that we should just eliminate the word beautiful because. Mm. It's a relative. Mm -hmm. It's just. But then that's what I you. thought. Of the virtues, no. that is not one. Mm -hmm. The virtues are not the accidents of birth. Mm -hmm. The virtues mm -hmm. are things you work for. Mm -hmm. Uh, to be forthright, to be educated, to be uh, in control, to be diplomatic, to be healthy, to be graceful, mm -hmm. to be, mm -hmm. you know, to have your body part of who you are. These are things you can work for. You can get them. Mm -hmm. They're available to you. I always say that having children was the most liberating thing that ever happened to me. And people say, liberating? I thought having children was confining. Mm. And I said, no, but I could be a certain kind of person now that I didn't have to be uh, in the corporate world or where I was working because my children wanted something from me that nobody else did, which I could deliver. Mm -hmm. They wanted honesty. They wanted somebody who was capable. They wanted somebody who could deal in emergencies. They wanted somebody who was, um, had a sense of humor. They I mean, they wanted like 10 or 12 things, it seemed to me, that were beneficial and that I could achieve. Mm -hmm. They didn't want me to be sexy. Mm -hmm. They didn't want me to be rich. They didn't want me, to, I mean, all these mm -hmm. things out here. Outside of ourselves. Yeah, outside of ourselves. We have told ourselves, yeah. That's so the idea of telling a child what is really the truth about him or herself you are good, you are kind, you are generous. Yes. What you did was a, that was a gracious thing you just did instead of, you're pretty, right. you're cute. <laughs> you're, exactly. Aw. Aw. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Tony Morrison, what did you want us to know or see from the bluest eye? I had a couple of ideas that merged, which was how to value another human being. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that and I think I've said in other ways, race, when you know somebody's race, that's the least information you have. Mm -hmm. You don't know anything. Mm -mm. The real information is elsewhere. When I first read The Bluest mm -hmm. Eye, the thing that struck me the most is um, that anybody who allows themselves to be defined outside of their own personal vision for themselves mm -hmm. 
that that is an, a form of insanity. Mm -hmm. And look at what the world has done to women. And you know, I, I you have to suck it out, pull it up, pull it up mm -hmm. shape it up. You know, mm -hmm. as you know, you see young girls now, 13, 14 years old, having plastic surgery already mm -hmm. to Early. fit the image. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. or the colored contacts. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, oh, yes, so we can get eyes. Blue eyes. So Cola wouldn't have to go <laughs> mad now. Right. She could just do color. Didn't you say content? that, Tony? And you said that Pola Cola wouldn't have to no, go mad. No, she could go buy some stuff. <laughs> she could go buy some stuff. <laughs> I'll let everybody ask your number one question, but why did she have to go insane? Um, there were no exits. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. That's exactly. There were no exits. There was nothing. There were no adults. Uh, there were no teachers, there were no parents. There was this man in the neighborhood who said, yeah, you're right, you're horrible, I'll mm -hmm. fix it. Mm -hmm. But she had no doors open to her. So she made a door mm -hmm. Hmm. for herself. And that was her insanity. Mm. Her friend, <laughs> I mean, she, she talked to a friend in there where she was accepted and she was finally loved and she was finally totally yeah she became beautiful and she found it. almost what she was looking almost. for almost yeah. because remember the title is the bluest eye yeah. yeah and there is no eye that's ultimately as blue enough yeah. <laughs> as, as, as you as the yearning absolutely what hurt me about the book was there was not one adult not one oh. and i wanted there to be one adult mm -hmm. one and there really wasn't. Well, I mean, there was that, that. No one ever said, poor baby, poor no. child. No one ever just oh, well, that's hugged what I love her about and held her. Relentless. And that's all. I have seen some adults who are um, sick, emotionally sick, uh, women, mostly. And some of them incarcerated. You know. They went this way, maybe into some other life, but you know, you see the ravages of an unloved yeah. life. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Can we talk about that incident in the store? Sure. Yes. Mm -hmm. What happens when she goes to the store? Is that the first time she realizes for herself? Mm. I don't remember that the touch of her, that even first. for him to touch, touch her, her skin, yeah, he dropped her. And oh, she, I remember, you know, that was a sense memory thing for me. Because really? there was one of those people in my neighborhood, yeah, where you go to the store, and I remember never wanting to touch my hand. Right. Mm -hmm. Always drop the money right, right, right. in your hand. Mm -hmm. He doesn't see her. This is not, there's a reason why he should see her. She's uh, an exchange of a penny or whatever it is mm -hmm. for the candy and that there was somebody back there having feelings or yearnings or desires or capable of being hurt just never would occur to him never unimaginable as worthy not just of buying mary jane's but of being part yeah. of the landscape and that's what's so powerful about the bluest eye. It's why, you know, I feel like I would have done my job. I can retire if I get the whole country to read the book. Because I think it is a way of saying to the world, this is what we're talking about. When people say, racist, I'm not racist, that doesn't exist, or what are you talking about? I mean, Oprah, look at your life. To be able to see through the eyes of Pecola that that is the world that so many 
of us have seen. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so exciting to go into a bookstore, Borders, which is right across the street from me, and to see Pecola displayed. And redeemed. And redeemed. Mm -hmm. It will change the world. Every it will change the world. Deserves to be loved, deserves to be validated, and that's what it really helped me to remember. Mm -hmm. Do you remember the picture or the, the, the track of Princess Diana coming back from a trip and greeting her children with her arms outstretched mm -hmm. yeah. and that look mm -hmm. on her face? Mm -hmm. For some reason, last night I thought about that and I thought, why couldn't anyone just smile at this child? Yeah. It may well, have been the well, only love. The only love, yeah. Right. You know, there well, was here's no love a toast in that to Toni Morrison. You know, I read that mm -hmm. book and I thought, you didn't have to write another one. <laughs> you didn't have to write another one. You've written so many other great ones, including getting the Nobel Prize. Beautiful. I thank you for that. Just your finest work for opening up all of us in ways that we never expected. Here's yeah. Ms. Morrison. Thank you. thank you. Here's the books. Thank you. For those of you who haven't had a chance to read it, give yourself that gift of the bluest eye. Do that for yourself. Do that for yourself and for your children. As you were saying, if nothing else comes out of the book, if you learn nothing else from the book, you will learn to treat your own children differently. Thank you, Toni Morrison, for the bluest eye and for showing us the world through Piccola's eyes. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Yeah, the charcoal mess. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.